I'm, I know very little about you. We have awkwardly <laughs> stared at each other for the last eight minutes. It's everything about the concept is what we don't do anymore. We don't just have conversations with people where there's not an agenda. Right? It's like meeting a stranger in a parking lot or something and then like, hey, you want to have coffee? <laughs> yes. Oh, so how are you doing? How's your day? <laughs> exactly. Well, we are live here, Coffee with Humans, with my soon-to-be new friend, Christina. She's still actually a stranger. I only met her about eight minutes ago. That's the essence of Coffee with Humans. Two people just bumping into each other randomly and then saying, hey, let's grab coffee. Before we got on the broadcast, I was thinking if we could have this discussion anywhere, where would that be? And I came up with, we, we could be sitting in Iceland in a hot spring. <sighs> Lovely. If you could have this discussion anywhere, where would it be for you? Love this question. I'm stumped right now. I'm not really a uh, beach person in terms of getting in with the aquatic life, but I do like to be near it and feel the breeze from it. Okay. And so anywhere by a beach. What drew you to clicking the button to have coffee with me? was searching and I found this one and it grabbed me. It pulled me in and it just seemed your podcast and Coffee with Humans seemed very welcoming that you were really eager and enjoyed just making meaningful connections. Coffee with Humans is like Sunday brunch. <laughs> I love Sunday brunch. <laughs> okay, good. Because, well, you're in the right place. Only sure. there's no food. Um, <laughs> we are live here at Coffee with Humans with my new friend, Frank. Frank, welcome to Coffee with Humans. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. And I appreciate you validating my identity as a human. That, yeah, uh, I must be human if Jason had me here for coffee. <laughs> Did you? Th was there a question? Did you think you were not human at some point? Yes, yes, for quite a period of time during my childhood. But um, <laughs> it just seemed like everybody else knew what to do, but I had no idea. It was as if they had been given the script and somebody didn't give me one. Yeah? You felt yeah. this disconnected from your humanity? Yeah, but I got over that. <laughs> Are you sure? I don't know. I feel like... Feel like there might be some lingering questions there yeah but uh i tell you what the difference is now now i realize a lot of people feel the same way <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's exactly right so it's that, like it doesn't exclude me from the uh, tribe you thought you were alone in that <laughs> feeling yeah but it exactly. turns out no right. everybody thinks they're crazy yeah. uh well that's that's good feedback i'm curious uh what what drew you to clicking the link to have coffee with me I love the format of your uh, podcast, Jason, which is just real easy, free form conversation. And I thought it, this would be a great opportunity for me to talk about something that has become my life mission in a way that I wasn't time constrained and I didn't have to stick to a, a PowerPoint deck or bullet points or what have you. And I could, elicit your feedback and your questions to help me expand my own thinking on the topic. Wow. And um, I'm hopeful that I'm going to learn a great deal about this through the course of our conversation. Boy, oh boy, you're setting this up. You're setting this up heavy. Now I feel like I have to uh, be smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there's no need for that, Jason, certainly. Okay. Well, before we, before we get to those, uh, those questions, questions and and this is a dialogue for all of our viewers and listeners who are who are joining us uh i'm with my new friend frank we've met now mm, 10 minutes ago roughly 12 mm -hmm. and the whole premise of coffee with humans is that i'll have coffee with anybody the only rule is no sales calls and and the underneath the surface is this idea that we are all human with very similar needs and wants and hopes and fears and we put sort of a veneer on the top and go about living our lives and then say, hey, here's all the things that I've done. And somehow that makes me special. And the, when the truth of it is, is that underneath that surface, there, we are so much more similar than we are different. The expression of it in our world is where the difference uh, seems to work itself out. But uh, we're going to get to this hot and heavy question that you've got. And <laughs> and I was so, I was, when we were talking about what to name this, you're like, entrepreneurship is the answer. And <laughs> is that I, heavy enough for you? That was heavy and fine, like definite. <laughs> and what was so funny too was because uh, the, what was that show? Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right. There's a part in there where it says 40, 40, what's the answer to life, the universe and everything? And the answer is 42. 
And so when every when anybody says what's like this is the answer, I'm like 42. It's just like <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <in> my, <laughs> yeah. I prefer so the number 87. <laughs> okay. All right, fine. We can talk about that too. Well, this is a dialogue for sure, not just a monologue. So you're welcome to ask questions back for me, Frank. Um, before we get to that, I'm going to throw a background up because it is now negative. No, it's not true. It was like negative two this morning when I woke up. And so I've got the background in honor of winter of a snowy path next to a river. Where are you located, Jason? Oh, you know what? You beat me to that. That's a great thank you. I'm outside Chicago. Uh, oh, nice. In, in a town called Rockford. I love Chicago, but I don't love it in the winter. Yeah, every it seems it seems every winter we we Chicagoans and Rockfordians and Northern Illinoisans stare at each other. <laughs> Sometimes we're like out shoveling, we like dead look each other dead in our soul, and we go, "Why are we doing this?" Yeah, and then we chuckle about it and move on. <laughs> Keep shoveling. Exactly. <laughs> That's totally true. Keep shoveling. It's still coming down. I don't know. I love the winter. Yeah, I do too. And I love, I think snow is such a beautiful thing. I mean, it's hard to deny the beauty of snow falling and snow on the ground mm. and trees covered with snow, but then you got to shovel your car out. You got to shovel the driveway. There's, yeah, you slip and fall and bust your bum. Not so nice. <laughs> That's totally true. Uh, I, I love the snow as well, especially if it's going to be cold. You, I, I think if you want to be frigidly cold, you better be snowy. Don't just be frigidly mm. cold and, and clear skies and, you know, no snow on the yeah. ground. That doesn't make sense to my brain. Um, but I, it, but like, yeah, hit us with some snow, like hit us with a lot of snow. That's what I love at which fortunately we have maybe about a, a foot on the ground now. It's kind oh, of fun. wow. So um, we in England, yeah. outside of Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia, and we get snow just frequently enough uh, that it completely paralyzes the whole city. <laughs> and people who live farther north, you know, tease us unmercifully because they're accustomed to it. But that's just it. We don't get it often enough to develop any sort of expertise in how to drive in it or deal with it. And so we just go off the rails anytime it snows here. And People mob the um, grocery stores to get milk, bread, and toilet paper. And anyway, we were supposed to have a large storm just this past week. Didn't happen, uh, but didn't mean that the stores didn't get cleared out of toilet paper. Right. <laughs> what was <laughs> so? That's an interesting. That's an interesting one. I'm not certain what goes through people's minds. We just had this. We just had this issue. Uh, it was like COVID times two, uh, or you know, second version of COVID, where we had a snowfall coming. And people cleaned out the shelves of toilet paper and paper towels. And like, and I don't, I'm not certain. It, I don't know what goes through a person's mind. If if you've if you've lived here any length of time, you know that the snow is just going to be cleared within 24 hours. They're going to salt the roads. You're going to be totally fine. Are you? Do you really need to stock up? I'm. I'm not, it's not like snowpocalypse where we're, <laughs> where right, we're never yeah. going to come out of our house for three weeks. doesn't make, doesn't make sense to my brain. Well, I guess it shows what level of fear can be inspired by mm. the prospect of running out of toilet paper. I mean, I don't care if we're starving, <laughs> but God help us. No toilet. Paper. <laughs> oh my God. You're right though. It is, a, it is. Uh, fear is a powerful motivator, right? I mean, it's the most, it's why the stock market kind of creeps up. And then fear goes boom right. and just like slams down. It cuts like a knife. Well, and that's why um, negative news is so effective. It's because it rivets our attention. Mm. Uh, you know, it gets right down to your lizard brain, down in your limbic system. Oh, there's a threat. And you look right at it and you can't stop looking at it because that's your primary mover is to uh, protect yourself from threats. And And then on the other hand, good news is like, well, you know, you have to really think about it. You don't have to yeah. think about fear. It it grabs you. And that's unfortunately uh, a lot of marketers and programmers understand that and they use it to their advantage and yeah. profitably. Yeah, totally. Hit that fight or flight mechanism in a person and you can you can really uh, affect change quickly. <laughs> yes. Get people moving. Well, uh, 
this whole entrepreneurship is the answer d- definitive statement of yours was very curious to me. Uh, where where's that come from? Well, I uh, you talked about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I was watching the latest o- episode of Young Sheldon last night. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you're a fan of that show, but Sheldon's 11 years old and now gone off to college because he's such a genius. And he just had his first uh, day in philosophy class. And Sheldon is somebody whose knowledge is definite, just like I said, entrepreneurship is the answer. But his, um, his uh, philosophy professor had different ideas about how definite anything is, especially anything in your mind. But I, with that having been said, and I acknowledge that there's, you know, nothing is sure but death and taxes. Let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, we all face challenges in this life, and it seems as though it's part of the plan. Uh, people who have it too easy, uh, those few people who are coupon clipping babies or, or uh, trust fund babies and go through life without a challenge, often, you know, they have a lot of difficulty with that. Um, humans respond well to a challenge and it brings out the best in them. Uh, and then if the challenge disappears, and we often see this, let's say, with an athlete or a uh, rock star who makes it to the top, and then suddenly, you know, well, what else is there? Is, is this all there was to it? Uh, I still feel like the same person, even though I achieved my dreams. I think uh, somewhere in the plan, humans are supposed to have a challenge in front of them. And entrepreneurship offers that to us. And it does a number of things for us with that. It occupies our mind and keeps us from thinking about things that probably really we shouldn't be spending too much time on. I, I often say that politics is too high on Maslow's hierarchy of needs for me to spend much time thinking about. Uh, I just feel that people allow themselves to get wrapped up in a lot of things, fear uh, and other negative emotions that really, if they would just get busy uh, helping other people, they wouldn't have time for that. And that's another thing that entrepreneurship does for you is it you help others, you help your customers, you help your employees, you help your vendors, you help everyone um, through the provision of the product or service that you've set out to do. Uh, and so again, this is something that it seems like we're all wired for. Uh, we're wired to help each other. This is why you'll find a common person just doing some heroic deed in the moment that, and they will almost always say anybody would have done the same thing. And it's an interesting uh, reaction that they have. But at the same time, well, another thing that uh, entrepreneurship does for us is it gives us hope for the future. It gives us something to dream about, that which is, again is a great motivating factor. It also offers the opportunity to completely change our financial situation, which many of us dream of, you know, becoming rich or what have you. And um, I think really the, the primary financial goal most people would like to achieve is financial independence. They don't necessarily need to be rich. They just like to stop worrying about money. They'd like to be able to make their mortgage payment, put their kid through school and so forth. And so it offers all of these things. I may be missing a couple that have occurred to me, but it really does answer or fulfill a large number of needs that each of us as a human have. And as a result, if we were to engage with it, successfully, that's a very important point, we each could potentially lead more fulfilling lives. That's interesting. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're entirely right. The idea of entrepreneurship being a, uh, what is, what am I thinking? Kind of a framework for living. Uh, I don't think you have to be an entrepreneur to have a spirit spirit of being, um, I don't think you have to be an entrepreneur in terms of starting a company to have the spirit of entrepreneurship. I think that entrepreneurship is a mindset to, um, to assess one's circumstances and realize that you are in charge of figuring a way out or figuring a way through. And I think that people can do that in their current positions in the framework of a larger organization. Um, they can also break out and do that in terms of a company, right? 
launching a company, starting their own thing, or a side job, you know, some sort of side gig. <clears throat> but I think I think the having a bit, having a line and drawing a line between I'm either an entrepreneur or I'm not is is uh, is a shallow way. And I'm not saying that you're saying this, but I think that people think of it this way. They think of it as the shallow thing of like, well, I'm not an entrepreneur because I didn't start a company. It's like, okay, well. But you have the spirit of entrepreneurship because look at the look at the things that you're creating within the within the uh, within your world, your your sphere of influence, your life or your job, and um, it's why I, I agree with you. I think that entrepreneurship or the spirit of entrepreneurship and the lessons that come along with that that you have uh, uh, a great degree of control um, and responsibility and authority more so than people realize. And that's where that's where I think if people would wake up to to that sort of feeling and that sort of mindset, that's where I think a lot of forward momentum comes from. Um, I, I know that the, I had a friend ask me this one point in time. Um, so I, at one point in time, I went out to coffee with a friend and he's like, hey, you know what, how have you, how have you done all the things that you've done? And I was like, mm, that's a great question. I don't know. And, and in, in further assessing it, I thought uh, the, the reason I've been able to do all the things I've done is that I realized at some point in time that the rules are all made up and they were all made up by people <laughs> like you and me. That's a fact. And, and it doesn't mean that some rules are not uh, definite and, and immovable, uh, that they're, you know, things that people shouldn't and can't do, but a lot of how we view life and a lot of the structure we have around us is it's just made up and it's what we know now, but it doesn't have to be that way. And that's where, that's where I think people can, um, can excel. I think with that sort of mindset in the, in the framework of an existing organization. And if it, and if, They've got some other fantastic idea and want to launch it on their own. Awesome, awesome. But I think the the mindset is portable uh, through your own ventures or or in the middle of something that you're helping somebody else with. I would agree completely with that, and that's probably the most essential aspect. With it's within an organization, charitable organization, volunteer work that you do whatever it is, that's the, that's, and making your own rules, uh, while at the still, at the same time, being cognizant and respectful of other people's feelings and boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, no, I think you're right. You don't, I'm not saying, and it's funny, and this is something I've learned from our conversation already, is that perhaps it's important for me to be more clear about what I mean, or how I define the word entrepreneurship. But um, generally, the people that I speak to, I have a podcast as well and other things that I do in my life are business owners. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just, the, uh, this idea that entrepreneurship is the answer is sort of the, the first statement that I make before I lay out how to make it work for you. Yeah. Oh, I think, I, I think you're definitely onto something with that. Uh, and I, and I do think that it, the lessons, certainly the lessons of being an entrepreneur are applicable to everybody, no matter the circumstances. And some people, yeah, some people will launch their own things, which I think they should. And some people will just simply take the mindset and the and some maybe some hard skills uh, from being an entrepreneur and apply those in you know in in their existing organizations and their existing jobs. And I think they'll they'll outpace their peers, and that's. That's where um, you can kind of see the distinction with people who sit back and wait to be told what to do. That's sure. not the mindset of an entrepreneur. And that's really not the mindset to, to excel in an, in an organization that, that already exists. You know, if you're, if you are, um, if you, I think, walk or walk your journey with the idea that I, the responsibility is mine. Uh, to and if I and if I see it, I need to assess: is this my responsibility, and do I have any authority to do anything with it? That's 
and do I want to affect a different cha- a change? Um, that's kind of an entrepreneur, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to make, I want to see change. I want to see something different. I want to see something better, and I can do something about it. That's to me, that's like the fundamental nut of being an entrepreneur. And I think an important word there is responsibility, mm-hmm. and to differentiate it from blame. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, whose fault is this? Even if something something bad, let's say, happens to you or, or a challenge pops up, it may not be your fault, but it's your responsibility to react to it or go over it, go around it, solve the problem. And I think that's some place where a lot of people like to uh, apply the sort of the victim uh, persona to themselves. Oh, this has happened to me. You know, woe is me. Whereas instead, when you look at the lives of people who are fulfilled and happy and have great relationships and have some level of financial success, again, to me, the financial success is only a little bit beyond making sure you got all your bills covered and you don't have to worry about it. Um, You'll find that that's what they do. When we all face obstacles and when they pop up, you, you think about it and maybe do get angry for a minute or two. But then it's your responsibility to do something about it. Yeah. Have you ever heard of something called the explanatory value? No. Tell me. It has to do with how you explain things to yourself when something goes wrong. Is it, you know, everybody hates me. The world is against me. Mm. Why is it always me? Uh, That's one explanatory value. And the other is, ouch, you know, that hurt. Well, what am I going to do about it? How, what can I learn from this? How can I avoid repeating this? And and what can we do to move forward? Hmm. And this is a very important thing uh, to look for, for example, when you're looking to hire someone, what their explanatory value is and how they react to adversity, because we all going to run into it. Yeah, that's true. I like I like your viewpoint. Where, What brought you to this understanding? What's your, what's your journey like that you care so much? <laughs> it's, I appreciate that question. In, um, on February 22nd, 1974, to be precise, yes, uh, very precise, my mother opened a little copy shop in our hometown. And this was around the same time that uh, Kinko's originally opened. I, at this point, I don't know if even people even remember Kinko's, uh, but it's now FedEx office. Um, but in any event, she thought it uh, would be a good idea to have what she called a store that sells copies. And it turned out that she was right about that. Uh, but trying to make a living five or 10 cents at a time, the price of a copy, is uh, a very hard way to go. And she knew nothing about business and she knew nothing about copying other than how to operate a copy machine. And as the company grew into printing and uh, additional technology, she had no background in that. And as a result, we really struggled and financially. Um, I was uh, 15 years old when the company opened. I'm now 62 years old. So it's been 47 years uh, that I've been uh, involved with business. And, and uh, I learned, I'll tell you, even though we were doing very poorly, the copy shop was a great place for me to learn about other businesses. Because it was kind of like the barbershop for business owners. Yeah. Everybody needs copies, forms, business cards, flyers, that kind of stuff. So I got to meet a lot of people from a lot of other small businesses. But in any event, we, uh, we weren't just poor. We, we weren't just broke. We were poor. And uh, I don't want to go into too much detail. But I'm not ashamed of it or anything, but it just, it's just tedious detail. Sure. But the one thing that came to me from that was... Uh, I hated feeling stupid. Hmm. I couldn't understand what how business worked. What why are we doing so poorly and other people doing well? And I didn't understand marketing, I couldn't understand money and I couldn't understand how to hire and manage people and I I just and I I thought I was a smart kid and I couldn't understand how I could be so stupid. Now, the fact was I was ignorant. I wasn't stupid, right? but I didn't feel <laughs> ignorant. I felt stupid. Those are two different and, things. <laughs> uh, I didn't like it. And so uh, kind of like Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind, I made it my life's mission to never feel stupid again, All right. at least relative to business. So honestly, since that, not since that very day, but for a good 40 plus years, I've been 
focused on learning everything I could about business and what separates the small fraction of business owners who thrive and succeed from the vast majority who struggle and fail. And what have you come to? Well, I've actually come to what I call the M-cube, six areas of discipline, uh, each of which starts with the letter M, mission, marketing, money, machine, which is operations or production. And that's, that's the actual running of your business, Jason. That comes in fourth. Uh, next is management of people. And last is what I call minutia, which is making sure you got an LLC, you got the right insurance, you did this, you did that, you got your bookkeeping. I refer to that as minutia. And so I refer to this as unlocking the M-cube, mastering the six sides of business success. And this is based on my experience over the years. Hmm. And so you have this background behind you of a library. Yeah, yeah. Which when we were talking before the broadcast, uh, I was I was uh, curious about that. And what did you, what did you tell me? I said, I was talking with somebody and they said, wow, you must be really well read. And I thought, why would you say that? And I didn't realize it was because of the background behind me. I'm sitting in front of a green screen. That's not an actual uh, shelf full of books. Yeah. Uh, it speaks, though, to what you're talking about, that there, there are, there, there's so much information available to us for mm -hmm. any given topic it's hard to distill it down into the things that matter. And not only the, the then beyond that, it's the things that mattered now. So yeah. that, that I think is where a lot of people get lost. There's the world of information, there's the things that matter, and then there's the things that matter now. What are your thoughts? Well, you got, you know, it's also though important to separate, uh, what is it, the important from the urgent. Yeah, and sometimes right. what matters now is the urgent. Yeah, but you might want to, to put the urgent aside and pay more attention to the important. But uh, that's a hard thing to do because that comes back to your limbic system. The lizard brain wants to take care of whatever this urgent thing is, and it has a hard time forgetting about urgent and focusing on important. Um, but you know what I would say that yeah, we're overwhelmed with information right now, and one uh, suggestion and a tool that I use is to allow others to curate the information for me. So I have certain people that I'm aware of, some of them I know and some of them I just know through the internet, who, whose uh, opinions I respect and I like their take on things. And so I follow them and listen to what they have to say about this, that, or the other, or, or what do they think is important today. And then, as we all do, I choose for myself whether that means something to me or not. But I think curation is an important thing. Not only we should do, we have to do uh, to prevent being overwhelmed by all the information. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. Um, well, this is all good. This is all good stuff. I'm curious, before we go any further, um, are you good at drawing? <laughs> I absolutely am not. I never have been good at that. And uh, it's one of those things where I thought maybe I should take a course on Udemy in drawing. <laughs> I'm waiting. So I, I ask people this this question periodically because uh, are you up for playing a game with me? Oh, yeah. Great. So I ask this question for people and I, I've never had anybody say, yes, I am fantastic at drawing. <laughs> I've never had anybody. Is that right? <laughs> Not once. I'm waiting for the day. <laughs> Some people downplay themselves. They're like, no, I'm terrible yeah. at drawing. And then they whip out this great drawing. You're like, what? That's amazing. And some people, it's like, no, you're legit terrible. You're right. Yeah. I, I can't draw a <laughs> stick figure. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. I've, I think I've got my, I think I've got everything all set up here for this game we're going to play called Whatchamadrawit. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. And uh, I'm going to share my screen. I'm clicking buttons here. Clickety, clickety, click. Boom. I should be slicker at this. Oh, such an amateur. There we go. Oh, wow. Look so at this, this is the game we're going to play. Here's how this is going to work. And this is why I asked you if, uh, before the broadcast if you had a pen and a paper. Uh, because <clears throat> we have three sessions we're going to do here. What's going to happen is, this, is up on the screen, I'm going to pull up a card. 
And this is just a sample card, so we don't have to draw this. This is draw a frog sitting <laughs> in a canoe headed for a waterfall. You'll draw that. You'll have one minute. I'm going to draw the okay. same thing at the same time. We're going to have one minute. Uh, and this then at the weird. end of that, we're one minute, we are going to show our papers to the screen. And uh, we'll see... <laughs> If there are viewers and list, uh, viewers who want to chime in, uh, you can chime in in the chat and vote uh, on what oh, you okay. like. Okay, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and you and I also get to vote. And and here's the great thing about this: like every good entrepreneur, we can vote for ourselves if we think we did the best job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See how I tied that all together? <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Excellent segue. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Okay, here. So, you ready for our first card? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. we're gonna, there's more than one. Oh, there's my gosh. three. There are three cards so that we okay. can we can crown a winner. All right. First card is draw an airplane with butterfly wings. Draw an airplane okay. with butterfly wings. <laughs> oh, oh, ah. All right. I had a way I was going to draw this, and then I changed my mind. Yeah, this is, uh, there could be certain phallic implications with this. I'm not. <laughs> Frank, get your head I'm out of the I'm blaming you, Jason. It's not my fault. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. I'm trying to do anything I can to get that out of this picture, but it's not working. It's <laughs> this is a family show. That's not true. It's not a family show at all. Oh, this is a. Gosh, oh. You ever drew, drawn awful. a butterfly wing before? It's been a long time. Yeah, I, I got that part right. Did you? I oh, think. golly, good for you. Ten seconds. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. Ah, your idea, man. I know. <laughs> I don't see. I don't even know what these cards are. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I don't. I don't know these this cards. Awful. I, I see them basically when you see them. All right. So since I since I uh, bugged you about doing this, I'm gonna I'll show mine to the screen first. This is a airplane oh, <laughs> with butterfly wings. Looks a little bit more like maybe uh, the wing of a praying mantis, perhaps. I don't know. Like a leaf. <laughs> yeah, a leaf. It does look like a leaf. Okay. I don't know. Uh, As, uh, this is proof positive that I can't draw. Oh. What? All right. All right. All right. Well, See, I I would think that that looks like a butterfly wing. Mine doesn't look like a butterfly wing. Mine's mine definitely looks like a leaf. That's true. That's true. Okay. I'm gonna have to give you that one. I'm voting I guess for you. We didn't get any votes uh, from the audience. They they take a little while to catch up. This thing's the streaming is delayed. But if our viewers have any votes, go ahead and chime in in the voting system, which is really just the chat. There's no system. But it was neat how I said system. Okay, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for you on that one. Do you have a vote, Frank? I, I think just because mine looked more like butterfly wings, yeah. I, I think mine was better. I agree with you. Okay, number number two. You ready for round two? You were you had a better fuselage. <laughs> That's true. I agree with you. It looked mine. My fuselage looked more like a plane. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Number two. Uh oh, what's happening here? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Draw a drum playing tiger, a guitar playing porcupine, and a piano oh, playing on. skunk. How can we do that in a minute? All right. Well, you got to stop talking about it first. Taking that background music, <laughs> I know, right? That's a new addition. I'm an entrepreneur, so I just make things up. Oh, golly, this is terrible. 30 seconds. Oh, you're kidding me. 30 seconds? How? Oh, I'm with you, Nan. I don't know how to do this. So, is this like a team building exercise, or what's the idea here? <laughs> Just a, it's a game. It was given to me for Christmas, and I thought this works on Coffee with Humans. 
Oh, no. <laughs> oh, wow. This is so bad. This was challenging. Oh, I mean, there's six gosh. items there. A drum, a tiger, a guitar, a porcupine, a piano, and a skunk. <laughs> wow. So, this was terrible. What I did was mm -hmm. I broke it down into just the, the uh, musical instruments. So, <laughs> Okay. I just went the drum, the guitar, the piano, and a little bit of skunk there. All right, all right, all right. Uh, so no, no real animals. Just the you just did the basic instruments. I, I went with my uh, core strength there. I know more about musical <laughs> instruments than I do about animals. Okay, here we go. This is my uh, drum playing tiger. No, nah. which does not look like a tiger. He kind of looks like a. Like a mole, a little bit like a mole. Yeah, like a really ugly, I don't know, like a manatee, the manatee head. <laughs> what legs. The, the porcupine almost looks like a porcupine, but. I like him. He, right? He looks like, uh, you know, he looks like, he looks like the character Woodstock from the Snoopy cartoon. <laughs> He's oddly cute. And then the yeah, piano uh, is an upright piano with, uh, I almost drew a skunk, but that's like the skunk. Stink coming back. <laughs> is that what it is? That's what he it's supposed to be. At the piano. Oh, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. Well, I'm going to give you the win on this because I like the porcupine. You know what? I appreciate that. I I at least tried to get the, all the animals in, even though they are questionably <laughs> not animals. <laughs> I at least got a scribble for the skunk. All right, I'm going to give myself that one too. Uh oh. All right. We're tied. You ready for the last one? All right. Uh, draw a dragon playing with a piece of string. What? I don't. You know, I think Michelangelo would be challenged by this if you gave him a week. <laughs> a dragon playing with a piece of string. Um. The movie How to Train Your Dragon comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm really unhappy with that tail. 30 seconds. Dragon playing with a piece of string. Okay. <clears throat> what you got? Oh, snap. Look at that. That's a happy dragon. And he's playing he with is. a piece of string. And you see, he's, you see the motion. He's flying. You know what? That is, you're right. You got the little motion lines in there. That's good. Here's, here's mine. Dragon playing with a piece of string. I thought maybe hmm. he was burning up the string. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. Hmm. All right, let's get yours back up there so our viewers can see uh, see the magic here. Nope. Who, how, I, I like your dragon. I think he looks, he looks handsome and cute. My dragon yeah, is really, really sloppy. he has really, a very really positive sloppy. attitude. Yeah. All right, I, I think, uh, I think I'm going to, I took that one. Ugh. I think so too. All right, Frank, you're the winner. It's too bad we didn't have any money on this game, Jason. You know what? We should have. I should have. Uh, we should have placed a bet earlier. <laughs> I keep thinking we should auction off the pictures. <laughs> That'd be a good idea. The drawings. Yeah, they'd fetch a lot. They would, and then we'll give the money to charity. That sounds good. Why not? Oh yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, if any money came in, sure. <laughs> well, 
I, why are you downplaying this? I, as a, as a entrepreneur's entrepreneur, I would I would think you'd be like, yes, let's figure out how to how, let's figure out how to get this thing well, done. Well, there's just no value there. That's the problem. It's, it's, this is not as what? I uh, like to say, if people ain't buying what you're selling, you ain't in business. <laughs> wow, there's no value. That's, That's what it's all about. That is shocking that you would say that. How many how many times have you heard entrepreneurs talk about their ideas though? And and the harsh reality is is there is no value. You're like that's not a thing. And they are they are so convinced that there is mm-hmm. value. What's the what what in your experience is the disconnect? Is it ignorance? Is it stupidity? Like you were talking about, you know, I don't know. Seriously, it's a serious question in it couched in well, a funny, you know, funny I get way it. to ask. Um, <laughs> here's the thing is that you don't know. There's no way for anyone to know whether an idea is, is a good one or a bad one. The only way to find out is the marketplace will tell you whether yeah. it's a good one or a bad one. And that involves putting in some planning, energy, and financial investment into promoting it or at least messaging out to the world about this. And, you know, who knew that the, the pet rock was going to make millions or there's a million, you know, novelty items like that. But even things like um, Steve Jobs somehow knew that people wanted the iPhone. I don't think he made them want it. Somehow he just knew. He, there are some people who are born entrepreneurs and he's one of them. There are not many of them. But for the rest of us mortals, what we have to do is put it out to the market. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I just, I, um, I, cl- I chop up my uh, long form podcast into a daily minute. And the one I did today was a guy who said, what you have to do is start with the product, put it out to the market, get the feedback from the market and iterate. And by that, he means change it based on the market feedback, put it out again. Now, what did people say? Pull it back and change it, put it out again. And his research has shown that only 8% of all products first introduced in the market succeed in their initial form. Yeah. And then there's only another 10%, though, that iterate enough times to succeed. And the rest, uh, 82% or whatever it is, uh, they just fail. Yeah. So I, you know, I agree it may with that. sound like a crazy or stupid idea, but you just don't know. No, I agree with that. I say it this way. I say there's only two types of people uh, who are going to do business with you. One is the people who love you, and two are the people right. who are not yet sure they should love you. And you can argue and say there are people who don't love you, and I just think they are in the they're not yet sure they should love you pile. And getting our ideas outside of the group of people who love us is super important because all the people who love us lie to us. Not that's right. Not because they don't, you know, not because they are uh, ill-meaning. They just have over. They've forgiven all. They've forgiven our sins. So they look at us and oh, you know, that's just Frank. Or, oh, that's a really neat idea. And they and they're like, eh, it's I don't want to tell you that it's a terrible idea. And and they by and large like it anyhow because they like you. It's the people yeah. who not yet sure they should love you that are going about their business of judging you. And well, part of it is I think you need to separate your product or service from yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's not whether they like you or not. When you get it to the marketplace. This idea that they're they're judging the the product or service uh, because they don't they don't love you, and they're not yet sure they should love you, but they're going to judge what you're going they're going to judge that product or service on its merits, and right. and if we if we're not uh, a little critical of what it is that we're creating in under the eyes of the marketplace, then it's bound to fail, and that's where um, I think uh, who said this I can't remember who said it, but. The principle was, and I've told people this before, if you've got an idea, that's really neat, but go talk to 100 people about it first. Here's what, I'm, here's what I think the problem is, and here's what I think my solution is, and here's how, here's how, how I intend to go about solving it, uh, and here's how I intend to make money. And if you run that by 100 people who don't love you, you're going to change that idea by the end. And most people think of that advice and go, no, I'm not taking that advice. That's a lot of work. It's like, it doesn't, you know what, that is so much easier than creating something and then putting it to the front of those hundred people after you've yeah. already spent your time and money doing it. And they're like, this is terrible. And they, and they vote, they vote for not, uh, they vote for somebody else's product and not yours. And there's, that's where the, that's where people I think get, get caught. They think they get stuck. Unlike you, 
where you said, hey, I'm tired of feeling stupid and ignorant in this. They instead, right. they instead look at it and go, I've, you know, I, I, this is such a great idea. It's so amazing. So earth shattering. I don't want to tell anybody about it because I am yeah, the holder right. of, of the amazingness. It's like, no, you're not. You're, you're not. It's the fraction. Like you say, there's a fraction of people who are visionaries who actually, I think, see some sort of future. They're on, they have an uncanny ability to, to look at something that's going to like significantly change the scope of, of a market, like, like your, you know, your, your, your thing with the iPhone. Um, but there was market research that went into that. We just didn't know about it because they did such a great job keeping it quiet. But the, but most, most things it's like, you're, it, so it may be a new, a new great mousetrap. I don't know. Um, but it's not that it's probably not that great that you shouldn't do some market research behind it. Well, and I would, two things I would say. One is, yes, there are people who love you, who will tell you it's great. There's also people who, I don't know if they love you, but they're close to you, and they will say, what the heck do you think you're doing with that? You can't do that. You're not the guy who's going to do that. And there, there's a lot of that. I mean, uh, there's even a passage uh, in the New Testament about it. Um, the, the, I don't, I don't, I'm not a terribly religious person, but it's a very longstanding thing that people have a hard time seeing you differently than the way they've known you all your life. Yeah. So that can also happen to people uh, with your family. The other thing though is I agree that you should ask people's opinion about it and you'll get a lot of feedback that had not occurred to you. Yep. But until you ask somebody to part with their hard earned money, you won't know whether this product is really valuable and you have to be able to sell it at a price in other words, a value that you present has to be higher than your cost to produce it. If there's, if it's not, it's still not a product. Yeah, that's totally true. Uh, I work with an organization doing some consulting work, and they are pretty heavily, and it's great to, it's great to hear it, they're pretty heavily, heavily invested in this idea of voice of the customer. And they've got right. a fantastic team. They've been doing their stuff for years, but before they bring anything to market, they get voice of the customer information, and that is uh, invaluable in getting people on board at an early stage to yeah. help design the product or service so that when a broader marketplace sees it, it's already been vetted against people who are using That's it. Great. And, and, uh, and I think there is, there's a great lesson in that. It seems laborious. It slows things down. And I, th and I think some, some entrepreneurs are, uh, and I can speak for myself here too, uh, having been too fast, impatient instead of doing instead of doing due diligence getting impatient plowing ahead and creating things that nobody wants and nobody's willing to pay for that's that's a uh, that's a dangerous place to be instead slow down get some get some uh, market research educate yourself uh, and if it and if things and I and I I would go so far as to say this piggybacking on your previous thought if the idea doesn't change, Having talked to people, something's wrong. <laughs> that would be my first indication that you are on the wrong path. You talked to a bunch of people and they said, you're spot on everything you said and the way you're pricing it and all this, how it's going to work. You're dead on. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Caution. Seems like that would be an unlikely outcome because everybody be. has different uh, values and perspective, but... Um, I, I tell you though, what I love is seeing something new, yeah. product or service that brings value and that does enrich the creator or the entrepreneur, whomever, because of just that very point that they brought so much value to so many people and the marketplace rewarded them for that. Yeah. Um, it really, uh, it all starts with the provision of value and the more people that you can provide value to, the more you potentially can generate in revenue. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to catch you off guard here, but as we're winding down our time, I'm going to throw up your link here, frankfelker.com. And I'm curious in this idea of value creation, what steps do you have or do you have steps that that a person can, or questions, let's say, that a person can ask themselves when they're trying to determine, do I have something that is of sufficient value that I should go off and do something about it? What would you say to them? Well, I think, uh, Jason, you you know pretty much covered it. You need to talk to other people. The extent to which you can speak to strangers, people who don't know you, 
And even if you could be removed from the conversation personally, hmm. uh, because your emotions will impact their reaction to the idea. Um, the number one thing I would say, though, is because communication is sort of at the heart of my business in digital marketing is get clear, not only in your own mind, but in your story of what this is. And I'll just make, I think I can make this very quick for you. I do something I call two-minute explainer videos for my clients. And what it does is it starts by stating who this helps. Who, who are we talking to? So the person listening right away says, well, that's me, that's not me. And I'll give you an example. Are you losing your hair? Well, order our 24-page full-color catalog. But if you're not losing your hair, you have no interest in that catalog and you're not going to call the 800 number. Mm -hmm. But first you identify who the, the prospect or client is. Then you state what the problem is. Then you really dig into what that problem is and, and pour a little salt in the wound. Mm -hmm. Then you present your solution. Then you uh, give what the beneficial outcome is of engaging in that solution. And then you call them to action. Take action now. You need to be able to do that in 120 seconds or less. And if you can't even express it to yourself in less than two minutes, you're never going to be able to explain it to somebody else. And then clearly, you don't have anything there. Wow. Well, here's my two-minute explainer for Coffee with Humans, because I think you're spot on. Coffee with Humans is raw, unedited, live conversations between strangers who become friends, making the world a better place one conversation at a time. This is my friend Frank. You can find him at frankfelker.com. Frank, thanks for joining me on Coffee with Humans. Entirely my pleasure, Jason. Thank you. We'll see you soon. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have, meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls. This has been Coffee with Humans. Subscribe to get updates or click to have coffee with me. Coffeewithhumans.com.